everyone. My name is Andrea. And my name is Tamisa. And welcome to episode 22 of Hearing is Believing, a podcast where we discuss different topics and stories that center around our Catholic faith. So like always, just want to remind everybody that we are not experts, we are not theologians, and we definitely do not speak on behalf of the Catholic Church. We are just two sisters that really enjoy talking about angels and demons and saints and such and wanted to share them with you. So um, before we hop into both of our topics, uh, we just wanted to kind of make a, a quick announcement about our, or I guess a quick, um, yeah, we just want to make a quick apology um, for last week. We didn't upload a episode like we were supposed to. We probably should have posted it on our social media, but we're, we're awful. We didn't say anything and we needed to take a break for our own mental health and well-being. Yeah, exactly. And I... I think, or at least I, I feel a little more recharged. Um, how, how about you, Andrew? Are you feeling a little bit better as well? Ready? Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling better. Yeah. The, the stress has finally gone down. I'm now in my own, my, like, I'm in my, it's a, what's the word? Zen. Zen. I feel <laughs> zen. There you go. Yes, I couldn't think of it. I, yeah, I'm feeling zen. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, I think, um, everybody kind of just needs a break sometimes and we are definitely uh not immune to the stresses of the world and everything going on so we just needed a break so i hope everybody can understand and uh forgive us and uh, be excited that we're we're back with episodes and just keep this uh, momentum going and we also do want to um mention real quick and if we can all just take a minute in our days just to think about the situation that's going on in Israel um, yeah. and with the Palestinians and with the Israelis, we're not saying either side is in the right or is in the wrong. We just want to take a moment to acknowledge all of those who have died, all of those who are wounded, that we pray for for everyone and their families and that this conflict just gets resolved in a peaceful, in a peaceful way. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just, there is just too much needless bloodshed and it needs to end and stop. So definitely prayers would be, would be great, would be extremely helpful. Prayers and action. <laughs> definitely action too, but prayers as well. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I think that's pretty much um, all the updates we have and uh, announcements we have for, for the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tamisa, what are you going to be talking about today? Yeah, I am going to talk about some very relevant Catholic holidays, I guess. I, I don't really know what the proper, how best to describe it, but we have just um, just experienced Ascension Day, uh, which is the day that Jesus ascended into heaven. And today, the day that this episode is released, is Pentecost Sunday. So I wanted to talk about what these days are, why we celebrate them, um, and how it marks the end of the Easter celebration. What about you, Andrew? I find this so funny because I, I'm going to be talking about the Antichrist. <laughs> I know, gosh. Oh, we did not plan that, but that is hilarious. Since happy stories always go first, uh, are we ready for me to hop into my topic today? Yep, go right for it. 
Okay, woo-woo, let's go. So again, like I said, today is Pentecost Sunday. So please, everybody go to Mass. This is a holy day of obligation. Um, but before that was Ascension Day. Andrew, I'm kind of curious from your memory. What do you remember about the Ascension? Um, I remember it happened 40 days after the resurrection. Um, so again, 40, we've mentioned before, is a really big number. Mm -hmm. And after that, from my Bible study picture books and all that, Jesus goes is on a cloud and goes up to heaven. That's basically all I remember. Like if yeah. I'm if I'm being honest here. No, that was actually way better than what I remembered. I was only remembering, you know, him floating up to heaven on a cloud. I didn't realize that you are correct. It is 40 days after his resurrection. So, after Jesus resurrected on Easter Sunday, Jesus traveled and preached for 40 days alongside his apostles. So the ascension marks the moment that Jesus literally ascends into heaven. And he does this in front of his disciples. It happens in Bethany, which is a village on Mount of Olives. And it's it's close to Jerusalem, um, which fun fact, I have been there. Oh, look at you flexing. I know. Every time we talk about Jerusalem, I'm like, I've, I've, I've been there. But yeah, so Bethany is a village on Mount of Olives. That's where he ascended into heaven. And when he is there, Jesus instructs the disciples to continue preaching the word of God. And he assures them that he will return to earth for the second coming. And as he is ascending, he tells them to return to Jerusalem and stay there until the Holy Spirit comes to bless them. Okay. And then what the Holy Spirit comes to bless them, that's Pentecost Sunday. Exactly. You remember your your Bible study. Um, I remember catechism. Your catechism. would be so proud. I know. They'd be so happy, so proud of us. But yeah, so Jesus tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit would come after him. And um, this is this is a quote. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you will know him intimately, because he will make his home in you and will live inside you. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandoned or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. And that is from John chapter 14, verse 16 to 18. Nice. So the disciples, uh, you know, they're very obedient. Jesus tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait. So they go to Jerusalem and wait. Ten days after ascension, after the ascension, we celebrate Pentecost, which is today. Woo, woo, woo. That is May 23rd. Mm -hmm. Like you said, Pentecost is the day the Holy Spirit descended on a gathering of um, early Christians. So it was the disciples, but other followers as well. And it gave them the sudden ability to speak in multiple languages. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid learning about this, I was so confused because they used the term tongues. Do you remember mm -hmm. that too? That like, oh, they were speaking in tongues. Yep, I remember that. Yeah. 
it's also well for me it made a little bit more sense too because like in spanish when they're talking about different languages they'll say lenguas which means tongues Mm -hmm. it made sense to me like i i didn't question it you know i guess that makes sense okay so for me i got really confused because we so fun fact about about us listeners when we were children we moved to mexico and it was before we knew how to speak the language completely and i think i was definitely the least knowledgeable um or least familiar with the language so I was really struggling in catechism when we were trying to learn, you know, what the heck was going on. So I guess for me, I was just super confused because they're like, oh, they're speaking in tongues. And I always assumed, you know, tongues ha- or speaking in tongues has a connotation today of uh, almost like a, a gibberish type of experience. So that's kind of just something I wanted to address is that this is not that. Most Catholics recognize that during Pentecost and with the, the crowd speaking tongues, they're referring to them speaking multiple languages because the message is the Holy Spirit entered them, allowed them to have this ability to speak in multiple languages and understand each other so that they could preach to the peoples of the nation. So that is really like the, the biggest importance about Pentecost and this time of reflection for us is we need to focus on the importance of spreading the word of God and announcing the coming return of Jesus for our salvation. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have a quick quote from the book of of Acts. Um, So I'm going to just read that out to you guys just to give a little bit more clarity in case my synopsis was not very clear. So let's, let's get it directly from the source. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they have never even learned. And that's from the Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. Like I said, this is really a time of reflection for us about the importance of, you know, spreading the word of God, uh, which congratulations, Andrea, we are kind of doing that right now. So... Yay for us. We deserve a pat on the back. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going to toot our own horns for a second. Woo, woo, woo. This is great. Um, And yeah, so during this celebration of Pentecost, churches will often be decorated with red to symbolize the apostles' tongues of fire, Um, but also, you know, to also acknowledge the blood of martyrs. So that's just kind of something to be aware of when you go to mass and you notice like, oh, they've changed colors. Now you know why. Easter celebration's over. Yeah, exactly. We have officially left the Easter celebration. Um, but that does not mean that the celebrations uh, or festivities are completely ending. Um, the last thing I wanted to cover was just some fun traditions from around the world, uh, how certain nations celebrate Pentecost. You ready to talk about that for a bit? Yeah. Starting with our traditions, let's start in Germany. So in Germany, you're going to see 
a lot of picnics. So picnics are a very popular activity for Pentecost. Um, you'll also see doorways of taverns and homes decorated with birch branches, which by the way, birch branches are going to be really popular in a lot of these traditions that I was seeing specifically in Europe. And I'm, I want you to guess, Andrew, what do you think birch wood or birch branches symbolizes? What it symbolizes? Yeah. I mean, if everybody's um, using the same thing, it has to have a meaning, right? I guess. Uh, I, I really don't know, though. It symbolizes rebirth and new beginnings and growth. Kind of like coming return. Almost like a resurrection. Almost like a new beginning. You see oh, where I'm coming? I see what you did there. Okay, okay. Or what they did there. I didn't come up what with What they this. did there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so um, homes will be decorated with birchwood, as well as having ringing cowbells uh, out in the countryside in the city. If we go to Italy on Pentecost Sunday, it's also known as Pasca Rosatum. Um, and I hope I'm saying that right. Again, we don't speak Italian. But this means the Feast of Roses. What that means is that in churches and in cathedrals all across Italy, rose petals will be scattered and roses will decorate the churches. The petals are meant to represent the tongues of fire that rest on Mary and the apostles during Pentecost. Mm, okay. And again, talking more about birchwood, we see a lot of birchwood and branches and greenery decorating homes in Poland. And it goes way beyond just their homes. You know, even the cattle and animals will also be decorated with the birch branches. And in some oh, churches. animals. <laughs> yeah. So like cattle, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, they're all, they're just trying to spread the festivities. And yeah, so there will also be, uh, in some churches, you'll find a carved dove that would be hanging in the church. And again, the dove is uh, a very common symbol of the Holy Spirit. And then the last tradition that I wanted to share comes to us from Russia. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have thought of that. I know. I thought that was interesting. I'm like, huh, Russia. Let's, let's hear about this. So in Russia, Pentecost is known as Trinity Sunday. And this celebration is actually really uh, focused on the Virgin Mary. And in many ways, it's kind of like a woman's holiday. So girls and women will wear crowns of flowers and they will, again, weave birch branches um, into like figures or wreaths. And during this holiday, a very common meal is fried eggs. Fried eggs? That's... Um... Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I know I know for Easter, obviously eggs are very popular, but like it symbolizes um, like the resurrection and rebirth. So I'm guessing that that theme just gets carried over to Pentecost. Again, like with birchwood, it symbolizes rebirth. So, so yeah. So fried eggs, that's maybe what everybody should eat today and uh, think about Jesus coming back. For the second coming. For the second coming, which you will talk so much about, I'm sure. Well, uh, well, I, I don't really talk about the second coming, but I'm going to talk about what happens before the second coming. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm really excited to hear about that because congratulations, Andrea, you've just completed my extremely crash 
crash course pre- presentation on the Ascension Day and Pentecost. All right. Well, good job. Good presentation. Crash mm-hmm. course complete. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So please, Andrea, warn me about the Antichrist. I am so, so scared. And like, I know you haven't even started, but I don't know if you know about this, but you know like how there's like certain words or topics that make your like skin crawl like nails on a chalkboard for me it's the antichrist like even just seeing it written out i'll like close the book and i'm like nope i'm not gonna read that page anymore <laughs> really okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you for a couple of opinions like what you think on a couple of different things i want to mention so i'll be pay brave. a little bit of attention okay yeah. be a little brave yes <laughs> So, yeah, I'm talking about the Antichrist, and the Antichrist is the person or persons. Plural? Yeah, it can be plural. It's mm-hmm. mentioned once in the Bible as plural. Other times it's just a singular person. But essentially, the Antichrist is any person who denies the Father and the Son, mm-hmm. who denies Jesus is Christ. Mm-hmm. And this person will claim to be greater than God. Mm, okay. So basically, the Antichrist will claim that they are Christ. Okay, that's interesting. So that seems mm-hmm. like a pretty vague and broad uh, classific- like criteria for being the Antichrist. I always thought it was like a... As as I don't like know how to the ultimate person who is going to bring down the church before yeah. the second coming of Jesus. Yeah, that's kind of how I understood it too. Yeah. Um. But essentially, Saint John and saints Mark and Matthew have kind of explained it as, and even like different popes throughout you know the ages have mentioned that basically any person who is against the the religion is against the church who mm-hmm. denies Christ who denies God this person embodies what is the antichrist mm-hmm. and they had mentioned that there would be many an- antichrists throughout the you know through the world throughout the time but mm-hmm. there is going to be an antichrist the antichrist who will bring forth the second coming oh jeez Mm-hmm. Okay, before I begin, does that kind of stay a little clear? Does I don't know if that kind of made things a little even more confusing. No, I think it. I think it makes sense. So here's what I'm hearing, and let me know if I'm right. So there could be multiple versions or multiple people that are an antichrist, but there will be one like ultimate baddie that will just bring upon the second coming which is when jesus comes for salvation again correct yeah basically that's how i understood it as well so it's like little appetizers leading to the bigger meal yes okay yep got it the main meal the main honcho yeah that's how i understood it if we're wrong don't come at us (laughs) the actual term antichrist Mm -hmm. can be found five times in the new testament and all of them are in the first and second letters of St. John. Mm-hmm. And then we also get terms like the false Christ, which can be found in both Gospels of Mark and Matthew. Mm-hmm. Real quick, the Catechism of the Catholic Church does give us teachings and guidance when it comes to the Antichrist. 
So in Catechism Rule 675, it states, Before the Christ's second coming, the church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. The persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of inequity, unquote, in the form of a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. Apostasy, real quick, everyone, is basically an abandonment, a renunciation of the church and its teachings. The supreme religious deception is that the Antichrist, a pseudo or false messianism by which man glorifies himself in place of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. Mm, Okay. And then the second thing that the Catechism teaches us is going to be found in Rule 677. The church will enter the glory of the kingdom only through this final Passover, only by God's victory over the final unleashing of evil. God's triumph over the revolt of evil will take the form of the last judgment after the final cosmic upheaval of this passing world. That sounds way more hard to understand i feel like the other ones i was following then i started losing it a little bit and then that last one i'm like cosmic upheaval i'm like okay now now i'm a little confused <laughs> okay so basically summary yes it's telling us that before christ comes mm-hmm. there will be upheaval in the church yes basically there's the antichrist was going to glorify man mm-hmm. instead of god and his messiah which is jesus mm-hmm and people will turn away from the church and its teachings. Yes. And this is basically going to be the final trial for the church. Okay. And then the church will enter the kingdom of God once God has claimed victory over the devil, over evil, over the Antichrist. Okay. Does that make sense now? Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, moving on. So the Catholic Church teaches priests are not allowed to preach or declare a fixed time for the coming of the antichrist this time is unknown to us Mm -hmm. but once we are in the time of the antichrist the church is going to go undergo those trials like i mentioned before before the second coming Mm -hmm. so it's been mentioned by various saints and religious scholars that when the world is in chaos possibly now, powerful nations are on the brink of war. The The world is basically burning. Not literally, but, you know, there's conflict everywhere. Yeah. Destruction. Exactly. And this time, that is when the Antichrist will then appear on the world stage, claiming to be a man of peace. Mm-hmm. And this is best explained by the Catholic bishop Fulton Sheen, who in 1951 wrote the following. Mm -hmm. He will come disguised as the great humanitarian. He will talk peace, prosperity, and plenty, not as means to lead us to God, but as ends and themselves. He will tempt Christians with the same three temptations with which he tempted Christ. He will have one great secret, which he will tell no one. He will not believe in God. Because his religion will be brotherhood without the fatherhood of God, he will deceive even the elect. He will set up a counter church. It will have all the notes and characteristics of the church, but in reverse and emptied of its divine content. 
-hmm. It will be a mystical body of the Antichrist that will, in all externals, resemble the mystical body of Christ. So how crazy is that? Yeah. Like it's it's like a dove like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Exactly. That is perfect. Yeah, he's gonna present himself as the solution and know how to talk smooth talk his way into destroying everything. Exactly. So some people believe that to have this kind of power and influence in the world and in the church can only imply that the Antichrist will be in the highest possible position in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. In other words, the papacy. Oh. Yeah. Oh, whoa. This gets tied in with the prophecy of the popes, which says, unquote, in the final persecution of the Holy Roman Church, mm-hmm. there will reign Peter the Roman, who will feed his flock amid many tribulations after which the seven-hilled city will be destroyed and the dreadful judge will judge the people so basically it's referring to the last pope is going to lead the church to the destruction of rome oh jeez. well that's like really crazy it just seems so scary because like the the pope is meant to be the, you know the father of the church like the the, the leader of the church yeah. yeah exactly like it's um it's hard i don't i don't know that would that would be hard to see you know the leader of the church and be um you know be critical being go oh, you might be the antichrist <laughs> you know yeah. it's very counterintuitive yeah there's uh, i don't really believe in the prophecy of the popes um the prophecy of the popes was a vision given to saint malachi Basically, he foresaw 112 popes, and the last pope, Peter the Roman, would be the last one. And some people believe Pope Francis is the pontiff that the prophecy is referring to. And let me just point out, the church has never given an official stance statement on the validity of the prophecy of the popes well how could they <laughs> you know even if it if, even if it were hypothetically it's just like not true um i feel like if if the accused is like yo that's not true like it, it's like well you would say that if it were true or false you know like it's it's hard to okay yeah it's just weird you know let me let me real quick let me tell you when the prophecy of the popes was first given. It was first published in 1595. So since 1595, you're telling me if this was actually true, if it was valid, the church would still not give an official stance on this? Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I I wouldn't expect them to, you know? Okay. I can give you that. But here's my personal opinion. I don't believe it's true, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Both the prophet Daniel and the book of Revelation reveal that the Antichrist will rule for three and a half years, imitating Christ's ministry, public ministry, which he did for three and a half years. And during this time, he will bring true reign of terror upon the church and will unleash the last and greatest persecution upon the faith that the world has ever seen. Let me tell you, if that was the case, then we are overdue because Pope Francis has held his position since 2013. Yeah. What is your view on that? 
my view on uh the pope prophet the prophecy of popes yeah um see i don't know i because here's my stance is the pope is an incredibly important figure in the catholic church and if i were to put on my evil architect hat and try to scheme to find a way to bring down the church bring down the thing that, you know, um, worships and holds up God and brings people closer to God, if I wanted to destroy that, it would make sense to go for the papacy because that is what symbolizes the church. Um, And somebody that millions of people turn to for guidance. So I could see that logic as well as the fact that, you know, man is flawed and we are not immune to sin we are not immune to evil we have the potential for evil and good so it's i don't know i think that's a very scary thing but do you think pope francis oh absolutely not (laughs) absolutely not the antichrist no i do not i do not believe that it is pope francis um no no me neither i can see why somebody might think that because if we also think about like the vatican too Um, And all the changes that happened with that, a lot of people were upset because they thought it was modernizing the church too much and that it was moving away from, like, the core tenets of what our faith should be. And Yeah, and Pope Francis is is very progressive. And he's changing a lot of things in the church, too, and a lot of people don't like that. Exactly. I completely agree with you. Exactly. I can see why people would think it's Pope Francis. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, I can see where that mentality is coming from. Like, oh, you're moving us further from what we've been believing is true. But, I mean, I disagree. I I think, like I said, man is flawed, and we've been flawed for thousands of years. So I think definitely changes need to be made to be closer to what I think God intended. So I don't think it's Pope Francis. Do I think maybe it could be a different pope in the future? Maybe hundreds and hundreds of years from now? Yeah, who knows? Um, but Honestly, it's not I think it might be closer than we think. I'd rather think it's not. <laughs> I, I know you'd rather think it's not, but here's like my final couple of points for, yeah. for the Antichrist for my topic. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, the church cannot say when it'll when the Antichrist is coming, when he will reign. But Sister Lucia, the visionary from... from our visitation of Our Lady in Fatima. Mm-hmm. She gave an interview in 1957 and told Father Augustine Fuentes, who was interviewing her, mm-hmm. the Most Holy Virgin did not tell me that we are in the last times of the world, but she made me understand this for the following reasons. Mm-hmm. The first reason is because she told me that the devil is in the mood for engaging in a decisive battle against the virgin. And a decisive battle is the final battle where one side will be victorious and the other side will suffer defeat. Mm -hmm. Hence, from now on, we must choose sides. Either we are for God or we are for the devil. There is no other possibility. Mm -hmm. The second reason is because she said to my cousins as well as to myself that God is giving two last remedies to the world. These are the Holy Rosary Mm -hmm. and the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mm -hmm. 
So real quick, everyone, May is the month of our Blessed Mother. We mm-hmm. should be praying our rosaries every day as Our Lady of Fatima requested. And when we cover Fatima, we'll go over this again. But Our Lady told us that it's through her pierced heart that we enter the heart of her son and remain in his love. If you're not Catholic, but you're Christians, even us as Catholics, we believe in, you know, with St. Paul and his second letter to the Thessalonians, it'll only be after the revealing of the Antichrist that the Lord will come and slay the Antichrist with his appearing and his coming. Mm-hmm. So only then will the Antichrist be defeated. But also, you know, going back on what happened with in the message in Fatima, it is also mentioned in the book of Genesis, this battle. Really? Yeah. Let me grab the Bible real quick. I had it right here next to me. Book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 14. So this is in the story where, you know, after Eve and Adam ate the apple, mm-hmm. and God's trying to find out, like, why. Anyway, so he, you know, Eve told him that she was tricked, and she ate it. Mm-hmm. So afterwards, this is verse 14. Then the Lord God said to the snake, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all the animals, tame or wild. On your belly you shall crawl, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. They will strike at your head while you strike at their feet. Talking to the snake, serpent, Mm -hmm. the devil, the woman. Mary, mm-hmm. and a battle between their offsprings, the Antichrist, the son of the devil, Christ, the son of Mary. Oh, okay. I can see it. I, I can see it now. You see that correlation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also in the message with Fatima, our last remedies is to pray the rosary and show devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So mm-hmm. yeah. Woo. And that's my topic. The wow. Antichrist. Wow, Andrea, that because was... now, once we're finished with that, Christ is coming for us. Yay. And that's something to celebrate. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, for covering that topic because I feel like I was grossly misinformed before. And this was actually a really fun topic to, to talk about, you know, some of the, the theories and um, what actually constitutes Antichrist. So that was really cool. I like it a lot. Thank you. And I'm, I'm kind of glad we kind of got our conspiracy juices flowing, you know. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. I, I love talking about conspiracies. I have a lot. <laughs> I Some conspiracies, I think, are, you know, have some foundation. Others, I think, are just, like, pulled out of thin air and, like, no. Where's your proof, man? Yeah. But, but I, this makes yeah. sense. And, and mm-hmm. this, this is a good topic. And I'm glad you really liked it. Yeah, I did. Well, thank you again, Andrea. And thank you, all of our listeners, for tuning in, for listening to us, for sticking with us. We hope you enjoyed both our topics. Um, And if you haven't already, please consider following us on Facebook and Twitter at HIB Podcast. And if you have any stories that you'd like to share with us or if you just want to, know, send us an email, you can reach us at hearingisbelievingpodcast at gmail.com. And we will talk to you guys in a couple weeks. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.